I am so grateful to have you join me today on Betrayal Trauma SOS. I'm your host, Jenny Brockbank, and today we will be discussing what sex addiction really is and why getting married or having a baby doesn't fix the issue. We will end with a meditation that helps instill peace, along with the concept that you are absolutely enough. In fact, you are beyond enough. Let's heal together. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me. Before I begin, please know that this isn't therapy and I'm not a therapist. I highly recommend getting qualified help for your situation, and this program should not be used to replace professional help. I'm going to get real with you today as I let you in on more of my story. This is vulnerable to say. However, I think that what I have learned can help others, and that is the sole intent of this podcast. So, I'm going to put my painful story out there in the hopes that someone can get the understanding and the help that they need. I know that someone needs it because I desperately needed what I am going to share and what I have learned. I'm going to say a couple of things here in just a minute, and what I want you to do when I say them is just evaluate where you're at in your belief of what I'm going to say. Um, so if you're new to recovery, these might be new things for you to hear. If you're, you've been in recovery, you know, for any amount of time, you've likely heard them. And it's just a good opportunity to just see where you are. Do you believe this or don't you? Your spouse or partner's sex addiction is not your fault. And you are enough. Now again, just notice how you felt about that. I'll be perfectly honest with you. My brain does know that my husband's sex addiction is not my fault and that I am enough, but my heart is much slower to shift to that understanding. Here's how I came to know that my husband's sex addiction genuinely had nothing to do with me. I came into marriage with the faulty understanding that if my husband was having an affair or looking at porn, it was because I was not being sexual enough for him. So I basically made myself available to him anytime he wanted and then some. When every few years I found that he had been looking at porn, I would amp things up in the bedroom. The tragedy for me, and something that has been very hard to come to terms with, is this. I thought that I was preventing my husband from having a sex addiction, but I was only fueling the fire of addiction. I came to know that you can't cure a sex addiction with sex. It cannot be done. Do you know why? Sex is not the root issue. For 17 and a half years, I genuinely believed that he didn't really have a sex addiction. How could he possibly have a sex addiction when I was so over-the-top willing to take care of that need? No, not my husband. No. <laughs> a little over a year ago, which was about a year and a half into recovery, my husband and I sat with our marriage therapist to experience a full disclosure. I was almost excited that day. I still remember wondering that morning if he really had a sex addiction or if I was just seeing other terrible behaviors. What I learned in that disclosure changed my entire perception regarding addiction, and my eyes were forever opened 
at the false perception of my life. Among other things, I learned that even though I had made myself available to him whenever he wanted, and then some, as I said earlier, he had acted out with stunning frequency. I won't be specific about the frequency. I really understood for the first time that he genuinely had an addiction. My next words might sound harsh or strong, but for me and many others, they are reality. So I'm not going to soften them in this instance. To do so might minimize someone else's reality, and I want to be frank. After that disclosure, I could finally see that for my husband, porn was the needle to obtain his drug of choice, which was dopamine. Though I hated learning my reality, it was really useful information. To learn that he was basically after a drug really helped me to begin to understand that I truly am enough. I want to clarify that not everyone who struggles with a sex addiction is the same. For instance, some are seeking for adrenaline while my husband was looking for dopamine. I just want to clarify that though our stories may be similar, there are likely differences as well. And again, competent professional help is advisable. What is addiction then? Why can't spouses fix their mates by just giving them their drug of choice? In my situation, I had to learn about the root of my husband's addiction. To demonstrate this, I want to talk about a TED Talk given by Johan Hari in 2015. Hopefully I said his name right. He talks about a series of experiments performed earlier in the 20th century where you put a rat in a cage and give him two drink options water, or water that contained cocaine or heroin. Johan Hari said, quote, If you do that, the rat will almost always prefer the drugged water and will almost always kill itself quite quickly, close quote. But then in the 70s, Dr. Bruce Alexander noticed that the rat had nothing else to do, so he built what he refers to as Rat Park. Rat Park had lots of cheese, fun tunnels, colored balls, and crucially, lots of other rats. They also had the choice of plain water or the drug-laced water. The fascinating thing is that, quote, in Rat Park, they don't like the drugged water. They almost never use it. None of them use it compulsively. None of them ever overdose, close quote. I will link that talk in the notes for this episode. Basically, to change addiction or to avoid it entirely, it seems to be most helpful to change the cage, and in particular to create meaningful and healthy connections with others. This has certainly been true for my husband. I have been in many recovery meetings where people assumed that when the choice of addiction was pornography and masturbation, then surely getting married will fix that issue. I didn't know that addiction was an issue when I got married, but I can say that I remember thinking that having a baby might help us be a happier family and perhaps might help my husband be kinder. As you can guess, this was not true. When we understand the roots of addiction, we can know that this is faulty and we can take different steps. While I can't tell you how to plan your family or to get married or whether or not to have a baby, what I can tell you in my situation and many others that I've seen 
is that marriage and or a baby do not fix addiction. The more I learn about addiction, the more it becomes clear that sex cannot cure a sex addiction. This might be super obvious to some, but it was definitely acquired knowledge for me. So I'm guessing it's going to be acquired knowledge for someone listening. For those of us who love someone with a sex addiction, it's incredibly complicated. For me, I had to learn to live by an entirely new set of rules, rules that included boundaries, large amounts of self-awareness, new daily habits, and so much more. Something else that I'd like to touch on that was helpful for me to learn is that there are likely some ingrained reasons as to why our loved ones turn to sex addictions. A very helpful, but for me, somewhat triggering book on this subject is called Unwanted by Jay Stringer. I like what he says here. He says, quote, Unwanted sexual behavior does not happen out of thin air. There is always a context, close quote. The process to uncover the why is more of a journey and not likely a single event. Conquer Series has a video that is incredibly helpful to me called This Is Your Brain on Porn. It shows the brain scan of a normal brain, a brain scan of someone on cocaine, and the brain scan of a sex addict. The interesting thing is, the normal brain, of course, looked normal, but then the brain on cocaine was obviously deformed, while the porn-addicted brain was even worse than the brain on cocaine. I don't know if that's true across the board. I would suppose that it depends on severity of use for both things. But it was fascinating to see the kind of damage that porn could do. What became obvious to me was that effects stemming from pornography and sex addiction cause physical damage. Near the beginning of our recovery, I saw similar images from our therapist when I first attended the Lifestar program. This helped me to be a little more patient when I could see that it took time for his brain to heal from the physical effects of sex addiction. And when his brain started healing, he did start making better choices. Little by little, I started to see change in my husband. And after about a year and a half of actively working recovery, things really started to improve. And I allowed myself the luxury of indulging in hope again. Here's the truth. Their sex addiction has nothing to do with you and so much to do with pain mismanagement. I can say that to you all day, and my head knows it with great certainty. But again, I'm going to be honest and say that my heart is still reluctant to follow suit in this belief. If you haven't come to a perfect knowledge that this is about them and not you, then I am hopeful that you will join me in just noticing that. It's a place to begin to find healing. It's a start. What I know with my head, but my heart is coming around to, is that my worth is solid. It does not change with the numbers on the scale or with my husband's sobriety. My worth is not contingent on the amount of money in my bank account or what anyone else thinks of me. It doesn't diminish when people are rude and I am absolutely enough. I am beyond enough. And so are you. Everything I just said applies to you as well. Being enough doesn't mean that I am perfect or that I can't improve. It just means that my value is stable. 
like a $100 bill that has been crushed, muddied, and wrinkled, I am still valuable even though I've been through some life-altering events. If you're religious, then I would like to speak to that for a moment. And if you're not, then feel free to skip to the end or just adjust what I say to match what you believe. Also, if you belong to a different church than I do and you believe differently than what I'm going to share, just adjust it for what you believe as well, or you can disregard it entirely. I also love to hear what other people believe and welcome you to contact me individually regarding that. Today's meditation also incorporates some spiritual thoughts. My greatest tool for knowing my worth is to find it on my knees with God. I love to ask him questions about myself and what he thinks of me. When I feel a tender message from him, I have to make certain that I accept whatever message I receive with gratitude and do my very best to accept it as truth, because he will often give me more when I accept his original gift. Dieter F. Uchtdorf, an apostle with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said, quote, God sees you not only as a mortal being on a small planet who lives for a brief season. He sees you as his child. He sees you as the being you are capable and designed to become. He wants you to know that you matter to him. How amazing when we know that we matter to a God, even our Heavenly Father. The thing is, His love is constant and a gift. Even when I mess up or fail, His love is stable. Worth is different from worthiness. I can't earn it. Worth is constant. The following is from the book of Moses in the Pearl of Great Price. In Moses chapter 1, it talks about Satan coming and tempting Moses, saying, Moses, son of man, worship me. And Moses replied, Who art thou? For behold, I am a son of God, in the similitude of his only begotten. And where is thy glory that I should worship thee? And then a little later, Moses says, I can judge between thee and God. I love that while the devil was telling Moses something false to believe in, he had the awareness, experience, and knowledge to make his own decision regarding what he chose to believe. A couple of things that I want to point out are that Moses knew his divinity, and he states that he is a son of God. I can change this for myself and say that I am a daughter of God. Can we judge between God's messages and messages from the adversary? I think that we do have the ability, and sometimes, We just need to be reminded to have the awareness of the origin of any messages. The truth is that while I know that you are of immeasurable worth to God, I can't tell you what that means exactly. That information has to be found with Him. He knows it better than you do and better than I do. In truth, the most satisfying experience of learning my worth has been to consistently humbly, and with genuine curiosity, approach him in prayer and to ask. Personal revelation is different for everyone, so embarking on the journey to learn how he speaks to you individually is likely the most important part of learning your worth. 
I'm coming to learn what my worth is to him in large part because I'm continually learning how he communicates with me. I'm not certain that fully understanding my worth to God is possible. I see it more as a journey to both understand what that really means and to learn how to incorporate that love into my own life and interactions with others. It is a stunningly beautiful journey to be on. It can also be painful as I become more aware of how I need to change to incorporate and spread that love to others in my circle of influence. The process is incredibly rewarding, but rarely easy. Let's move into the meditation portion. I invite you to find a comfortable seated or laying position. Does it appeal to you to close your eyes or soften your gaze? Can you turn your attention to your breathing? Breathing in through your nose if possible and holding for a brief pause before a long exhale. As worries come into your mind or maybe thoughts of your inadequacies, perhaps visualize tying each of those thoughts to its own helium balloon and letting each balloon go. Do you see them floating away? How do the muscles in your face feel? Can you soften the muscles in your face? Just see if you can accept the next few sentences as your truth. Your worth is stable. You are the child of deity. And you are loved. That love is a gift and you don't have to earn it. Worth is independent from worthiness. It is stable. And when thoughts come into your mind with messages of you aren't good enough or maybe you're too much, you can gain an awareness that those thoughts are not worthy of your consideration. They are not worthy of the divine being that you are. Consider instead that your value is eternal. Consider that you are the offspring of divinity and that no faulty message can change that replaceable to your Heavenly Father, regardless of any other painful message that you have received, you can know that you are enough. You are beyond enough. I am so honored to have you join me today. Your being here says that you are wanting to heal and I hope that today's experience has aided in that. It's certainly been helpful for me to dig deeper into the subject. Remember to enter to win a Betrayal Trauma First Aid Kit on the Betrayal Trauma SOS Facebook page. 
That winner will be chosen May 19th of 2020. Betrayal Trauma SOS is on Facebook, Instagram, and at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. Will you please leave five stars and possibly a review so that others can find healing as well? Let's heal together.